Cape Cod. It is noon, high noon on Wednesday. Time for another episode of Life with Gwen. Love getting together with you guys every week. And this week, we're sort of continuing on some of the subjects brought up by Halloween by inviting in a name that some of you probably know. If you're interested in the paranormal, you may well have heard of my, my next guest. And Derek Bartlett, I'd like to invite to... Um, Thank you for coming to the show and also to learn a little bit about capers, the uh, Capen Islands, para, uh, I should have written this down, <laughs> the, uh, you say it's it. It's a mouthful. Yes. Uh, Capen Islands Paranormal Research Society. Right. But it does have that wonderful acronym, so you can find it online easily. Um, we're here today and you'll notice we still have some of our Halloween decorations up because last week we... Uh, we looked at costumes and the $9 billion people spent on costumes. Mm -hmm. So this week we thought we'd get maybe a little bit more serious and talk to you about um, this society, which is a nonprofit. It was founded 18 years ago. Right. And um, it's a little quiet now, but you're always looking for new situations and, and giving presentations not only on the Cape, but around the country. That's correct. We've been doing it, like uh, you said, it started 18 years ago in the year 2000. Just took a photograph, I can explain. And here I am today giving lectures, ghost hunting across the country. Tell me a little bit more about that photograph you couldn't explain. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. Well, it started in my childhood where, you know, ghost stories and hearing about fantastical creatures and mystical beings. And then 18 years ago, I took a photograph I couldn't explain. It was, I was in Harvard, Vermont. Unfortunately, I wasn't on the Cape. Took a photo it's okay, a, we'll take it anyway. <laughs> I took a photo of a woman sitting on a bed. Uh, flash never went off on the camera, and the only light source was four feet behind me. And I had the photo developed. Yes, actually filmed, not digital like today. There was a light streak going through the center, never touching the edge of the picture. And I knew with my fascination of ghosts and hauntings um, and the understanding of the paranormal that it possibly got paranormal energy on film. Hmm. So I came back to the cave in 2000, and started looking for ghosts and it took me four years of going into known actively haunted locations to have my first paranormal experience i'm a skeptical believer not everything is a ghost um it wasn't here on the cape my first experience it was in everett massachusetts right you outside of boston stay home more <laughs> well so. now this, this is my first experience but cape cod has changed my life okay with so the hauntings on here i would imagine that with the history here that that there Over is just years, so much there is um, going on, but uh, let's. I like the way you describe yourself as a skeptical believer because a lot of people will say immediately, um, Oh, that's hocus pocus. So tell me how, over the years and hundreds of investigations, tell me how you've become um, someone who kind of blends science and and uh, and that uh, believing. Well, I'm. I'm not trained qualified scientist. Okay. Uh, my background's more sales and business development. But um, it goes with science and earth science and studies of electrical fields and magnetic fields because they say ghosts and hauntings are energy based. Skeptic, when it comes to that word for me, is try to rule out everything humanly possible. And what's left over is what we look at. So from banging pipes, to footsteps, to drafts, to a noise down in the basement that could be a furnace. I try to look at that first. 
Um, and it and another term for us instead of a ghost hunter, we're paranormal investigators. Just the word like the word investigator, police officers like an investigator. We try to figure out or determine through in, interviewing our clients um, if they're possibly lying or is there some way they're making this up and what's left over is that's what we investigate. So I have to be skeptical of almost everybody or some story. Now it depends on the person as well, being skeptical mm -hmm. because um, town officials or you know someone from the fire department or somebody I just trust in general will tell me a story and I will believe them without a question. You know, and especially if a location's haunted where it's over the years with multiple stories from different people who don't know each other, they will tell me the stories and it's collaboration. And uh, I would imagine that um, like we do when we're looking, backgrounding someone, we look for consistencies, the same story, the same kinds of details. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll interview them over the phone first, give it a few days, sit with them in person and then re-interview them with the same question, see if their answers match. Um, is there an excitement level to their voices or they're over boisterous with stories? And those are small keys that they could, could possibly be lying. So if you start with sort of taking a look at the, uh, the history and, and the, the people that are telling you the story, um, tell me a little bit about, do you, have you found that, that there's an, an emotional label that gets put on this kind of, uh, energy that can't be explained? The emotional side, um, like empathic people, that those are people who can feel emotions. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of funny. It's we, we as ghost hunters have really two forms of hauntings we deal with. One is the first one is called the residual haunting, which is okay. energy imprinted in time like a movie. Has no conscious thought, no soul to it. Um, these are the ones that can be inanimate objects like unused train tracks, ghost trains seen going down the road, or even modern day one where no one has ever lived or died, a school gymnasium. You sit quietly in a school gym and you listen. You can actually hear the voices of children playing and the games they're playing like bouncing at basketballs. Residual hauntings are the types of entities or images you see in the same area doing the same thing over and over again. Hmm. You could scream and yell at them. They won't look at you. They won't acknowledge you. The second type of haunting we deal with is called an intelligent haunting. These are ones that were people at one time who passed away who were still sticking around. They interact with the homeowners, could be heard walking, talking, moving items. These ones are not restricted to that one space. They have free flow about the whole entire building. If you add an addition onto your old home, they can freely go to that new addition. And if they like your energy so much, they can follow you from house to house. Wow. So it is emotional when it could, especially with the intelligent hauntings. It, it, and you could actually, some people can feel the sadness from them and different emotions from that. Do, are people, um, I think the, the popular image, you know, in popular culture is, is uh, that there's a lot of fear. Do, do people have a lot of fear or is it more oh, curiosity? No. Uh, when it comes to ghosts and hauntings, it's a little bit of both. It's curiosity in the beginning, then fear afterwards. Um, especially if someone, say, one of my clients is having something happen in the house, it's almost like, having a burglar in your house and you can't do anything about it. You're looking for them. You're trying to figure out why this door is open or this sounds being made and it'll keep you up at night. Now I started, you know, I am a retired Marine. Um, only gray white trucks 
where my fear mm -hmm. great i live on cape cod i'm you know surrounded by that in these times uh, yes and yeah. um however my favorite movie's jaws but i um i'm afraid of the dark now i sleep on my tv set and my lights on because there are things that live in the darkness that you guys can't see or most people don't see it's when the dark gets darker and starts shifting oh okay like well derek we we have to set a ground rule here because okay. i do not want you to give that fear to me, you know, if uh, if I'm going to be hanging out uh, uh, at home, and um, you know, um, I don't I don't want to feel that way about it. You know, I'm I'm willing to share the house, but you know, I I don't want to be afraid. Yeah, unfortunately, entities don't do laundry and they don't clean the house <laughs> or pay mortgages. That's true. I read the most interesting thing yesterday, and I'm looking. I, I'm still looking at this with big skeptical and I'm springing this on you because I didn't Please tell not. you ahead of time but um, there was a piece in um, one of the uh, internet feeds about cats being particularly sensitive to paranormal energy and how people would um, um, and how people would uh, um, have a cat you know how you have a dog maybe against mm -hmm. burglars yeah. but you have a cat against you know um, unexplained energy and sure. that they can help to keep a you know, a safe space. And it sounded a little far out to me, but have you run into this at all? Well, with animals especially, they can detect, as we know and scientists have proven, can detect before weather changes, mm -hmm. barometric pressure changing, earthquakes coming, natural disasters, and they, they are affected. And that's usually more of a magnetic field. And have you ever put your hair, hand over a cap and never touched it and the cat flicks its back? Because it can actually can feel your electrical fields. Hmm. So they, they say ghosts are hauntings or energy-based. And we, as paranormal investigators, are looking for changes in those environments. And, of course, dogs' eyesights, cats' eyesights, and their hearing are impeccable. They're a lot more than us. I mean, cats, it's funny. I get a lot of questions. My cat stares at the corner of the room, and they're looking up at the corner. Believe it or not, like, cats can hear mice crawling across a beam or a bee hitting a piece of wood. So there immediately could be a a living explanation for that or there could be someone dangling in the corner of your bedroom looking down at you <laughs> we have a question um, I had forgotten to invite everyone but if you're watching you'd like to get your questions answered just type them in if the light is on are they still there yeah entities are out 24 7 uh, most people have experiences at night and it's due to the fact of less Interference. Um, less background the, yeah, the, noise. The less traffic outside. Mm -hmm. The kids are in bed. The TVs are off. And that's when your senses become in tune with the environment. Mm -hmm. And that's when you can hear the, the bangings and the different things. In the dark, people, that, that's a great fear of everybody. Mm -hmm. Besides publicly speaking. I mean, death is the second. Publicly speaking is number one. Death second. And darkness is in the top ten. I don't really want you to tell me that either, but uh, but uh, I actually but, I did know that. So so you're you're saying that that people are more alone with themselves at night and and uh, less distractions. So yeah, and so when likely. I turn the lights on, I don't see the dark get darker and stop shifting through my doorway. The spectrum when it's dark, it's you know gray, light, light, dark, and dark. When you turn on the color spectrum of lights, it our eyes are taken through all this information we're gathered by the colors, the sounds, the sights. 
from the floor to the ceiling and everything in the room. So you're actually, your eyes are more distracted instead of pinpointing that movement going through the darkness. But they are still there when the light's on. So let me take you back to the story you were starting to tell. I didn't mean to interrupt, but um, you said the first energy you saw was in a photograph. Mm -hmm. But then there was another story of the first, was it the first time you interacted with an energy? My first experience. Mm -hmm. um, I was doing a residential investigation, like I said, in Everett, Massachusetts, and just changed out some video tapes and a video camera up in the attic and came down the stairs, sat in a chair at the base of those attic stairs. About a half hour went by. And that's when I heard footsteps coming down those stairs. And I knew there was nobody else up there. I had been the last one up there and I shut the door behind me. That was my first experience is hearing footsteps coming down some stairs. Hmm. You all, do you want to hear what I did? What's happened to me in the last 14 years? I do. Well, maybe not everyone, but, but no, a lot of them. I'll just give it the highlights. The highlights. Let me see. I've been choked and punched and forced down to the ground by unseen hands. I've been partially possessed and totally not what you've experienced on TV. And I've actually brought a ghost home and made my own house haunted. They can follow you home. I was going to ask, uh, you You lived in West Barnstable first mm -hmm. and then uh, moved to Mashpee. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask if you had ever lived in a in a house with a, with a ghost. No, never moved in with one, but they followed me to these different locations. In one case here in, in 2005, I did on Cape Cod um, changed my life forever because since that investigation I have done, they still have followed me from that building. And I see them from time to time and people think, you know, Derek, you're crazy. You know, you're, you're seeing these figures following you. Unfortunately, Gwen, if you were sitting next to me, you'd see them as well or driving down the road, they possibly step out in front of your vehicle and then there's nothing there. You'd see them as well. So do you think that because you actively have sought out ghosts and because you're, um, um, you're, you're a skeptic but you're also a believer, do you think that, that that draws that energy to you? I think a little bit of uh, me putting myself inside haunted locations have given everybody the opportunity to have a being followed. Now having an entity or something go through me, I was... I had an pass through me and it just left its mark on me. Um, and I'm not saying they leave marks or physical marks, but kind of open my eyes or my, you can say we were talking about earlier, empathic feelings or emotions open to it. Uh, it's left something. So I was able to pick up a little bit more. I used to be as sensitive as they call it in the field of metaphysical sensitive. It's picking up spirits or energy. I used to be sensitive as a fence post, but since that incident, yeah, there's something there that I, I think they're drawn to. I, I think it, it's interesting what you said about uh, residual energy because, you know, um, if you are in a historic place or um, where you're aware of, of some of what has happened there, I always kind of feel that, but the question for me that I always ask is, is that because you're aware of the history that goes with that place? Uh, yeah, because before we go into an investigation, we already know the history of the building or where it has been or, you know, through the ownerships or what traumatic event has happened. Because we do do a in, in thorough investigation, go in the deeds office, seeing the owners, seeing the newspaper articles, see what happened there. <sighs> 
it does it give us no i keep that in the back of my head and say you know if i'm seeing a little girl who's this the uh, people the homeowners are seeing the little girl who am i looking for am i actually looking for a little girl i did an investigation looking for an old lady with a cane unfortunately on that investigation i was grabbed by the back of the neck by the back of the neck and forced down to the ground and that was not a woman with an old cane so you just can't go in there with predisposition of going in to look for exactly what people are saying it's you go in there with an open mind and just try to accept everything. We have a question from uh, John McGovern. He's asking, do you have any experience with the Orleans Inn? Just a little bit. Um, there was a charter school that uh, one of my team members had brought the kids down to the Orleans Inn to look around um, during Halloween, I believe. And they kind of stomped around. And I had heard the stories. I did work with a team early in my career in the 2000s and heard the stories of the opening doors and the woman that could be seen in, through the windows and other things. Unfortunately, I did not get any evidence and no one picked up anything that I worked with or my team member had brought the charter school kids with there as well. So they didn't get any evidence, but it's a great, great building. This might be a good time to talk a little bit about your team. I guess you said that you started out with 12 and and uh, it's uh, down to two right now because everybody's busy, you know, making a living and doing what people have to do. But um, um, but uh, when I look distracted, it's it's not a ghost. It's our producer with with questions that she is writing down your questions and holding them up for me. Um, could be a ghost, but probably not with all the stuff going on. Uh, the um, let's talk a little bit about the different jobs that the team members have when you are working with a you know a group of four or five people. So each individ individual we have from researchers that don't like to go to scary buildings mm -hmm. um, that do the research for us. We have the field investigator, which either a technical person or a note taker. Um, again, we cover all our bases, just just like a newspaper. You know, we try to find all the facts. Um, we have the technical assistant who, in the dark, can change out the batteries in a video camera, um, run down hallways, run to this, go to the vehicles, get other pieces of equipment. But all of us that are on site doing the investigation are the most important piece of the equipment we have. We sit there and, and we are the, without us, that equipment's nothing. So we have to observe all that. Um, but there are other skeptics. I have, um, every every one of us are skeptics. Um, others are just observers that, again, like I said, take notes. So it's from the, people think it's an insignificant part of like the history, look researching it, but it's a very big part to boxing out the equipment or taking it out. That's a huge part as well. So everybody has a very important role to play on the team. Tell me a little bit about some of the equipment that you use. So. There's no such thing as a ghost detector, by the way, Gwen. Oh. I don't know. You can't go out there looking, find an app to pick up entities. Uh, Do you at least have those neat uh, jumpsuits? No, and unfortunately, <laughs> Massachusetts cannot give us, we cannot use our proton packs uh, to capture ghosts because Massachusetts doesn't license that, nuclear power proton packs. So that's a I think we should tell you guys we're having a little light moment here, right? Ghostbusters. Right. Um, so, no, we actually use pieces of equipment designed for other fields, like an electromagnetic field detector. They say, like I was saying, ghosts or hauntings are energy-based. We're looking for changes in those energy fields. We sit there with equipment and look for fluctuations in the environment around us. Basically, we're looking at blank air. 
looking for the changes in the environment. We're looking for temperature changes. They say when you feel the cold or hot spot, that's the temperature change of the entity, where it was or where it is. Um, recording devices, collecting EVPs, electronic voice phenomena. This is when you ask questions out loud to the dead. You usually don't hear anything with your own ears. It's when you play the recording device back, sometimes you get answers. Hmm. I am. Um I guess it's mostly the season, but but I've I've uh, been working uh, quite a bit um, uh, with people surrounding. You know, the costumes were kind of a light part of it, although certainly a financially lucrative one for mm -hmm. the costume makers. But I also had a a chance to interview um, a psychic medium recently, uh, Rachel Perry, and and she tells us that she's been. Uh, been sort of communicating with the dead since she was a kid, but just didn't realize it because she didn't, you know, at, at that time she didn't understand, you know, the sort of line between life and death. And um, is is there any point at which your, um, your work uh, covers the same ground? Are you getting to the same thing? Or, or are, what's your thoughts on, on this people with... We're, we're always making, in, in her field, and her studies to my studies, we're always trying to make forward steps. And mm -hmm. maybe one day, and they do intersect, but mm -hmm. maybe one day both of our sides will come together and work closely and we'll get our answers. Um, when it comes to her, her understanding the studies, yeah, I believe it's out there. People have that ability. I've seen it in action. I've seen it in person. I've seen things moved by people like psychokinetic energy. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen it and I can't, describe how it works, how it happens. But I believe we are all on the same path with us speaking to spirits or looking for spirits. And when you say psychokinetic energy, are you talking about living people with that skill? Yes. yes. Okay, so um, here's a question coming in. This is why I want to ask you this because the question is, what do you do when you encounter a dark or evil spirit? And uh, it reminded me of, of Rachel because she said that, that the, the people who are, are not speaking but, you know, communicating with her, um, she's never met an evil spirit. They're people who are like loved ones and they want to send messages that are helpful to the living. So um, how about in your work? Well, negative energy, um, it, I've come across it. What do we do? Um, I was never a believer of negative energy or ghosts could follow you home or curses or things like that. I Again, I was very skeptical, very straightforward, meat and potatoes type of person. But once it happens to you, you know, you start trusting on that side. Like, you know, evil, negative, we call it negative energy in our field. Um, it's just energy we're dealing with that's negative. Now, was it a person? Is it... You know, they say as in life, as in death, um, if you're a mean, crotchety person, you're going to be a mean, crotchety ghost. Or if you're stuck and you're a nice person, you're stuck, think about stuck in traffic. You start getting angrier and angrier and angrier and trying to get your message across. Is there evil out there when it comes to spirit world or energy world? Yeah. What do I do? Um, I believe in positive things um, that make me smile to give me an and what we call intestinal fortitude to really strengthen my well-being or work from the inside out. Some people call it surrounding themselves with white light, bringing in their higher power, believing in 
whatever they believe in that makes it a positive influence or protection around them. That's what most people do in our field. I get asked daily about, you know, how do you protect yourself? And I, I always think of my, my children and think about cookies and food and, you know, the laughs I used to have as a kid to what I laughed about yesterday at someone's table. Hmm. Let me let me ask you. You said uh, maybe bring in your higher power. Mm -hmm. Is there a another question about um, worlds intersecting here? Um, have you heard from people uh, about religion? Does there is there a um, what if any role does religion play in this? Um, everybody has a belief. Some don't believe in entities or ghosts. Some think they're all negative. Some think they're positive. Some uh, religions actually say, uh, you know, the Holy Ghost. Um, it's it's words, but I believe when people talk about death or dying and loved ones coming back or seeing a past loved one, that's kind of a like a true fact. And if you go, Gwen, if you go on, it's funny we talk about UFOs, paranormal investigation, cryptozoologies, like Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster, what we have here on Cape Cod as marsh people. You can go through continents and um, you won't you won't find stories about Bigfoot or UFOs. But if you go to every continent in the world, go down through every neighborhood or every city in the town, to every neighborhood, to every street, someone will have a ghost story or an entity, a story about an entity. So it's it's hard. You know, it, it's uh, that spirit and religion. That's all for everybody to actually. Everybody. <laughs> Marsh people? <laughs> yeah. I actually probably should have, but hadn't heard of that either. No? Well, we have the second largest marsh on the eastern seaboard. It starts from San Francisco, goes to Provincetown. It's called the Great Marsh. And since the 1800s, people report of three foot creatures coming out of the marsh, grabbing onto full size horses and dragging them back in. Oh, people yes. People go missing to hear this. within the marsh. Um, never found again. People have witnessed on Old Kings Highway, which is Route 6A here on Cape Cod, mm -hmm. things crossing the road in front of them. Either they report it's a bear or an uh, animal, you know. And of course, Gwen, we know since the infancy of Cape Cod, we've never had a black bear here yeah. until a few years ago. Right. Yeah, that one's from across Now we have now. a book about the bear. Yeah. We made, so. it, made it all the way down to Cape Cod, down to Provincetown for a summer vacation. Um, but the thing is, is. These creatures have been seen in people's backyards. I've been called out to residential homes where they've seen handprints on sliding glass doors. These back houses face the marsh. So when traveling down along the Great Marsh, just keep your eyes open for three, four creatures. Okay, I'm going to have to play skeptic also, though, because you're sure those aren't like, you know, a little raccoon? They're pretty human. <laughs> so. No, the Native Americans have a terminology. It's called Pukwajis. But, oh yeah, yeah they, mm -hmm. they, talk, they talk about them um, but for us it came up with terminology a gentleman named Mike Walsh he created the first Cape Cod ghost map when I started in 2000 there was he was the first one I saw the marsh people's story saw this little marker for them and it intrigued me and I started doing digging research about these creatures and that's what I come up with well it's interesting I, I hadn't recognized that word as being the marsh people uh, a friend of mine just written a book, uh, and uh, that's actually in the title, you know, and, um, you know, here on the Cape. So our former librarian here, Robin Smith-Johnson, and, and she looks into the, the Pukwajis. Mm -hmm. So, but 
tell me, um, there are so many investigations that we could cover, and we're coming up. I can't believe how quickly this half hour has gone. We're coming up to the end of the show. So tell me either about an experience that really made an impression here on the Cape or about the ghost you brought home. Is it still with you? What's your family think? Uh, you in trouble? No. They ah. don't sleep with the TV sound. It's off or lights off. Ah. They know when dad's home or it, when Oh, the so it's following dark. you around, yes, not, not necessarily that. the house. No, it's, okay. it's with me. But um, impression, I mean, again, Cape Cod, I've had a lot of experiences with an entity going through me. Um, at one investigation, I've had since an investigation in Barnstable, this entity followed me home since 2000. I've had, you know, the footsteps or look in the backseat of my car in the rear view mirror and there's somebody there, you know, and then they're gone, leaving a property, seeing figures cross the road. And it's, and it's all due to be an investigator in the paranormal. I never expected any of this that's happening in my 18-year career to happen to me. Have you made kind of a, a piece with that? Because otherwise, you'd be, very jumpy. you'd be a very jumpy person if I you have. didn't. I, I actually have come to peace with it. Don't acknowledge you. Turn on more lights. Don't look in your backseat as you're driving. Don't acknowledge? So you can't, like, be friends? I don't want to. So um, we're hearing from another person. Let's see. Um, uh, <laughs> Karen Watkins, fascinated since being a kid. Ouija board, aunt with inexplicable gifts. Uh, great topic. Well, thanks, Karen. Um, is there... You go about uh, quantifying your this energy, right. you know, with with various devices, and and I would imagine that that because a lot of uh, a lot of things, electric blankets, uh, you know, put out electromagnetic mm -hmm. energy that you maybe unplug things or you make yeah. your environment or you take a baseline reading and That's then. That's correct. Uh, so, um, but um, do you do you think that? that other we we talked about mediums and mm -hmm. and uh we talked about uh spirits in general but do you think that um that uh I forgot the question the ouija boards <laughs> yeah that yeah. kind of thing oh spiritual sort connection of, you know, through inanimate objects yeah. like the ouija board or pendulum with or people who aren't necessarily doing it all the time or seances or right. different things of communicating with the dead thank you that's everything with i was thinking table tipping to dowsing rods to find spirits, all the metaphysical studies, as we call it. They're inanimate objects. The Ouija boards are made out of the same, like this table, our chairs we're sitting in. It's what you're trying to connect with through mm -hmm. this talking board. You know, the first question people usually do is, you know, when they're communicating, with, is there anybody here who wants to talk to us? Me as a ghost hunter or invest paranormal investigator, ghost hunter, I take a digital voice recorder and I'm like, record. Is there anybody here who wants to talk to us? You don't need that, the board. No, it's yeah. people actually bring in energy towards them. Sometimes it's wanted by past loved ones they're looking for. And sometimes there's, there's stories about unwanted ones coming through boards that really weren't the past loved ones were pretending to be. So when I believe, when in metaphysical studies, as they call it, communicating with the dead through other options, um, yeah. It's true. I've seen things fly off Ouija boards. I've seen tables knocked by themselves after table tipping session. I've seen a dowsing rod find its partner through a whole library and found it without the person knowing who was controlling the dowsing rod. It does work. Energy is, it's all about energy. I would think that there's, there's also, um, the energy can also be coming um, from, 
from the call the person who's calling from their mind you know um, so I think here's where your your devices to capture energy uh, you know to measure energy must come into play yeah um, it it's hard it's when as an investigator be put in the situation are we changing the environment we're in am I projecting what I'm gonna see or people I've been in investigation when there's been six of us in the same room and we all saw the different things from a foot to a mist to a energy ball going away to nothing six hmm. of us saw something different in the room but we knew something happened so the person's perspective I believe actually changed it I would think so you know it's it, uh, here on the Cape with the old houses that that we go into not necessarily looking for energy but just just in your mind if you think about how many people have touched this banister before I have That's right. you know and uh, you know over how many years um, so it seems to me that that would be a right place and if you would like to learn more about uh, Cape Cod hauntings there are there are uh, various companies but you have one of them also and you do tours I do through Barnstable Village. It's Cape Cod Haunting Street Tour Company. Uh, we do the tours April through November, 7 o'clock every night. And I do bring you down to the historic village of Barnstable, um, right on King's Highway. And I tell you the stories and the history, especially you can't have a good ghost story without some great history. So uh, I do share the stories and what actually has happened to me in some of those buildings. Well, thank you so much for being with us thank today. You, uh, why don't you give us your website so people can learn more if they want to. It's caiprs.com. That's Cape and Islands Paranormal Research Society. It's the first three, the first letter of every word. And on Facebook, you can find us on Cape Cod's Haunted History Tour Company as well. Great. Well, I know that uh, people I run into, there's been a lot of curiosity. So we come here and, and bring you someone who's been ch channeling this and, and doing investigations. And you, they, people can reach you through there. So yes. thanks so much for coming, Derek. Thanks, Gwen. Take care. Nice.